0: Do so you think that Carolyn Miller has a personal assistant? And do you think that I can be
1: <laughs> Carolyn Miller's personal assistant? I just like collect her hair. Carolyn Miller, if you're listening to this, <laughs> Aubrey Banning at TTU. She, she wants <laughs> <laughs> you. will be spending most of your time booking appointments, putting more information in her CV. <laughs> yes. Right. You can
2: just update the CV. That can be your job.
1: <laughs> but like,
3: because um, it hasn't been updated in a few weeks, so she needs, she's missing a few <laughs> pages. Want <laughs> Hi, welcome back to Prolific, a podcast journey through rhetoric, composition, and technical communication. For this episode, we try something a little different. Rather than me read to you notes and research that I've done over the episode's subject, you'll listen to a conversation I had with three other graduate students at Texas Tech University about the person that we're covering. Basically, it's four friends hanging out and talking about academic stuff. So let's go. Hi, listeners. Welcome to episode four, which is about Carolyn Miller. And I'm joined today by three other graduate students here at Texas Tech University. And let's get to introductions. Your name is?
2: Hi, I'm Leah. I'm a first-year PhD student in the Techcom program here at Texas Tech.
3: Okay, and it's your turn, Aubrey. Uh,
0: hi, I'm Aubrey. I am a first-year master's student in the
1: Technical Communication and Rhetoric program here at Tech. And Shayla, and I'm Shayla, also a first-year master student here in the Tech Com program. Okay,
3: so today's topic is Carolyn Miller. Yay! So we're gonna start with the background, who she is, and according to her website, she is the SAS Institute Distinguished Professor of Rhetoric and Technical Communication at North, the University of North Carolina,
2: or North, North Carolina, 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 North Carolina State. North Carolina State.
3: State. State. <laughs> yes. That's She's so been kind everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, looking through her CV, she like you were like we were talking about in the morning. She has like what a bajillion entries in her CV. It it's 25 twenty five pages, twenty
2: five pages, single spaced, which is pretty next level <laughs>
1: in terms of CV construction. Oh like has it a has a to be
3: online at this point,
1: right? A composition bible, basically. She doesn't even need a CV at this point. <laughs> no, we don't.
2: Like you should know Carolyn Miller, exactly. <laughs> especially right.
1: in tech She
0: has, okay. So I'm looking at her CV. She has academic appointments at. Um, North Carolina State, Michigan Tech, Pennsylvania State, uh, Georgia Institute of Technology, the Federal University of... Okay, well, you might have to pronounce this one. Federal University of Pernambuco. Paranam, it's, it's in Brazil. Oh, that's, and,
3: that's probably Portuguese. That's different uh-oh. from Spanish. Well. <laughs> <too gorgeous>. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
0: and the University of Louisville. She was at that Watson conference. That's apparently a real thing. She's she was, been all over the place. She was the a distinguished place. visiting professor.
3: So, like you were saying, Leah, like everyone should know who Carolyn Miller is. Why should everyone know who Carolyn Miller is?
2: Oh, right on me. Okay. Well, um, you're the
3: PhD student. You first should kn- year you should PhD know this. student. Students <laughs> dot Um,
2: Well, off the top of my head, I can think of three texts that I've read by her in class, and so one is the poll says rhetorical community, and I use that a lot in my thesis, and it's looking at how. Community writing, basically, how our environment kind of influences how we create discourse. Mm -hmm. Um, What's practical about technical writing, which gets into praxis and techne in our field, and so it's kind of like a manual almost, Mm -hmm. is how I kind of pictured it when I was reading it. And then the one we read, um, which is calling for a more humanistic view of technical communication and technical writing.
3: Right, that's the only one I've read. Have have y'all read any other... That's the only um, thing from Carolyn Miller. I, I don't remember. know.
0: My undergraduate pr- professors will probably be upset at me, but that's <laughs> the only one that I remember reading, and we read it this semester at Tech. So
1: Same for me, too, so I'm just getting to know her.
3: Yeah. Okay, well, from there, we can go to her interests. Um, I have them listed here. Digital rhetoric, genre studies, rhetorical theory, rhetoric of science and technology, technical and professional writing. So she's a techcom person interested in genre and the intersection of techcom and digital stuff. <laughs> yeah, and she's been using
2: like a lot of um, like web 2.0 stuff in terms of writing for social action is some of the stuff I've been reading about her. So incorporating like um, a civic engagement element to how we use stuff like blogs, Twitter, social media.
3: Right. I, I remember looking at her YouTube talk. Um, should genre studies change? I think it's what it's called. Are genre what is genre should genres evolve there you go reader uh, listeners <laughs> there you go <laughs> um but yeah it's on youtube it's about 30 minutes long so it's really it's kind of brief it's easy to get into but she's basically just talking about genre like literally genre through the ages starting from like when people would classify um different species of animals and stuff going through darwin and all the other people leading up today and she's like yep so they should change because they've always changed or something like that
4: In conclusion, I don't want to be understood as suggesting that our understanding of cultural change must borrow from biology. Rather, I'm suggesting that evolution is a model of change that is more general than either biology or language and applies equally and somewhat differently to both. And I'm not advocating that we become taxonomists of genres or that we must draw family trees of the genres we teach or study or that we abandon the notion of purpose or intention in understanding our socio-discursive environment and our modes of interaction. I do want to suggest that we be conscious of the assumptions we make about essences and relationships of how and why we identify something as a genre, that we be alert to the differences between classification by abstraction and classification by descent, that we distinguish between purpose and function and their implications for personal agency versus systemic and situational pressures. We have much to learn about the process of genre change and the emergence of new genres, and we need all the tools we can find. I hope that this look at evolutionary theory can be useful in that effort. Thank you.
0: Oh my gosh, she has so many publications.
1: <laughs> she speaks like... Every year, every hour. Yeah. It's like she's, she's giving a presentation she, right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> This is, okay. this is the kind of scholarship I would envision doing, okay? No offense, no grading papers, no none of that. I want to do, you know, if I want to study, I want to study and I want to learn.
2: And what I really like about it is she's been publishing since I think the 70s, yes, right? Yes, ma'am. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's still incorporating contemporary contemporary stuff into her work like she's publishing on blogs and 2.0 stuff and so she's
3: always keeping up with right, the conversation like she's,
2: too she's she's modifying her scholarship and adapting her scholarship to what's available in terms of technology which i think is really important that we all
1: do as technical communicators mm-hmm. in this field and the fact that she's doing it is creating a new frontier it's right, hopefully helping those that are um in her age range or her experience range and right. those are that those of us that are younger and coming up realizing that it's okay to stay current um that the things that we do learn they're going to be relevant to whatever medium or modality that we use
2: yeah like she's got serious like street cred in tech mm-hmm. con, and i think it's awesome that she's using it to incorporate more um new media aspects into her scholarship
3: mm-hmm. the, just like reading up on carolyn miller got me interested in like my own like expanding my own research interest like i think i put on the my my post for the class uh, I really want to research this stuff now because mm-hmm. it seems really cool.
0: Do you think that Carolyn Miller has a personal assistant, and do you think that I can be <laughs> Carolyn Miller's personal assistant? I just like collect her hair. Carolyn Miller, if you're listening to
3: this, <laughs> Aubrey Banning at TTU, <laughs> she, at you. she wants <laughs>
1: <laughs> you'll be spending most of your time booking appointments, putting more information in her CV. <laughs> yes. <for it. laughs>
2: You can just update the CV. That can be your job. <laughs> but like,
3: Because um, it hasn't been updated in a few weeks, so she needs, she's missing a few kind of pages.
2: Like, a big thing with Carolyn Miller, too, is, like, the humanistic rationale. I can't remember the whole title of the article. A humanistic um, rationale for technical writing. Is that right? For yes. technical communication. Technical communication. Oh, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. is so referential. Like, people are citing it in all of their works. It's been used in almost every single article we've read in our foundations class to form a definition of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it's foundational um it's a very
3: right i should mention that we all are taking a foundations of technical communication course at the same time so a lot of these texts that we're talking about in these podcasts are going to be stuff that we've already interacted with or are going to interact with or the connections that we make between the different articles or texts or whatever Mm -hmm. fancy grad school word you want to use um but speaking of a human humanistic rationale that's kind of her, like, drawing from the conversation then and then directing it into a new way like she's doing now, right? Right. She was saying, hey, look, all of this stuff that's going on, we need to look at it in this way. And then from then on, well, she probably didn't do it on her own. Although, did she? I don't even know. I wasn't live then. I don't know if, I don't know if she did it <laughs> on her own were. because
2: we're all new, right? But right. she's definitely one that's been more prominent, right. like, more mm-hmm. prominently discussed, I'd say, than anyone else. Because mm-hmm.
3: I think there was another article that we read that talked about the same thing, but... That was like in passing or something, or maybe I just saw the title somewhere else, and it might have just, it might have just been her article. <laughs> she's well, like, was
2: probably just the best one.
3: She's like just not just one, but two articles on the same thing, because I'm Carolyn Miller, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I'm getting published right now. Yeah. Oh,
3: no. So it's uh, talking about the article, what is she saying in it? I jotted down some of my notes. So she's basically just saying like going away from like the objectivity that we kind of that we did have in techcom are that uh, it's so hard to use it's a so little hard to like get my head around the terms that she's using, like posit- positism. Positivism I can't even yeah, say it.
1: That's <laughs> a tricky one.
3: Right?
2: Well it's the uh, the idea that the technical communicator goes beyond just being the robot, right? Like the one article we read and I think it was Dobrin where it goes, We want robots, we want robots. And so Miller kind of resituated what the role of that should be. And they gave us kind of a more us, meaning, like, you know, people in tech gave mm-hmm. us a more, like, moralistic agenda, I guess. Like, we have more of a responsibility in how we're communicating what we're communicating beyond just, is this clear? So right. it's adding, like, social considerations, it's adding ethical considerations, um, bringing in more than just editing.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, some of the, the things in her article that I saw, um, well, I mean... W- that's another thing. Since the article is so old, it's, it's already been dealt with. Like, when I read this, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And Aubrey, you were talking about this in class, too, right?
0: Um, How, okay. like, we read we'll all these old
3: articles, and it's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's so cool. And then we realize it's old and that everyone's <laughs> been doing it already.
0: Well, that's or, what I thought was really... F- oh, sorry, Chill. No. Uh, he addressed
1: well, it to you.
0: What I thought... Um, what remind me consp- what the name of this article is? The word? This is not... It's not this article. Uh, the, like, I have up the wrong one. Um, the one that, that we read for Foundations of Techcom, um, it has a foreword, you know, at, that she wrote, and she's basically saying, yeah, I think this was really relevant when I wrote it, and, and, you know, Techcom really did need to move away from this, like, positivist approach and, uh, this attempt to be objective, and, you know, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Congrats, everyone.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Way to go.
0: <laughs> what are you going to say, Sheila?
1: Um lost my thought to that point though i wonder if everyone has done a good job at it that's her you know she's looking at her cv and looking at her good works and in reality we could i won't say eliminate but there's some people who don't even need to step up to the conversation at the table anymore because she's done such a good job of laying this groundwork for us like who will pick up where she leaves off you know when it's time for her to leave this earth Who's going to take oh. up his work? <laughs> <laughs> Carolyn Miller,
3: uh, <laughs> long, live long and prosper. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Most definitely. She was bringing the hoodie questions. <laughs> but no, that's a really
3: good question because yeah, right. we're all new graduate. This podcast is for new graduate students. So these are the questions that we need to be asking, right? Where are the research spaces? Where are the research spaces? Where are the research spaces, <laughs> <laughs> the research spaces that we're in, we we want to enter into into the future? And like, what work has already been there? And what's what work is left for us, right? Who I think is her? Con-
1: con- oh, sorry. I'll say, who is her temporary counterpart who's mm-hmm. doing what she's doing right now bunch of old still carolyn miller <laughs> exactly <laughs> um
2: and i think part of miller's call too, in a humanistic rationale is that we become critical of ourselves and critical of the power that we hold in these sorts of institutions so if you look at things like the challenger disaster and how technical right. communication had a very real effect there it's this idea that it goes beyond just the product we're making but also the social um, considerations and how we can always make sure that we're always checking ourselves, like it's a constantly reflective process.
3: That sounds good to me. <laughs> I'm looking at some of the titles that uh, of her more recent works. So, new genres now and then. Um, should we name the tools concealing and revealing the art of rhetoric?
0: Yeah, like Blogger- uh, like Leah mentioned that she's been into blogs, one of her most recent I think this is a publication, I have to scroll up through pages to try to find the (laughs) header maybe it's a conference presentation oh it's an invited lecture, I found it three pages up Um, one one of her invited lectures most recently was October 2014, so a year ago memoir, blog, and selfie genre is social action and autobiographical
1: representations
0: it's so difficult for me to even comprehend that someone who's been doing this for like, three or four decades is
2: that contemporary still. And what's really cool is she draws upon a lot of classical rhetoric frames to make her arguments. So she's drawing upon conversations that have existed for thousands of years Mm -hmm. and just applying them in new ways, which I think is what's really interesting about her is that she's kind of like the tech chameleon <laughs> like she does a bunch <laughs> of different stuff and keep, she does it all really well
0: i keep thinking of her okay i don't know if this is a compliment to you guys but to me it's a big compliment i keep thinking her of her as like the tech oprah or martha stewart <laughs> like she's uh-huh. dipped her hands a little bit in like interior design a little bit in like
2: cooking maybe, maybe Oprah, she has a monthly right. she has
3: a magazine coming out <laughs> what, with just martha her
2: on Stewart
1: the cover does everything every, oh because you can go, go to prison. prison that's
2: right there's some well, ethical considerations
0: there that just means martha Stewart stewart's a badass
1: <laughs> no she's good at uh well these are all women that... too right like,
0: yes, Oprah and Martha Suter women.
3: Because when I think of tech comm as something that's oh, like, that yeah. arose out of like writing for engineers and stuff, wouldn't it just be a bunch of dudes writing for each other and stuff?
2: Well, I think that's part of why she's so significant, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, obviously we're all new students. I'm not well-versed in the entire canon of tech comm, but mm-hmm. she's definitely one of the, the women that's spoke about the most when it comes to foundations and getting a start of us being our own legitimate field.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of the reason, I don't know, maybe... I don't know if it's the right way to look at it, but maybe part of the reason that Carolyn Miller has been so popular and her ideas have been so popular is because, you know, she started bringing this kind of new female perspective um, to the field, or at least to the scholarship of the field. Um, and it's just kind
2: right, of... because there's
3: another article that we read that talked about how that kind of went right in Techcom.
2: Yeah, Dirk. The Lay? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Dirk, I can't remember the title of it. Future episodes. Future,
1: yeah, <laughs> CBC. <laughs>
3: Sorry, Shayla, I cut you off. Did you, were you? I can't remember. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's okay. My brain is fuzzy. <laughs> it's midterms.
3: That's right. We're recording this in midterms, <laughs> listeners, so. Light
1: <Lying laughs> from the ground floor.
0: <laughs> Midterm season. Like, we're literally all going to leave here and, and go we'll take, grade student yeah. papers and.
3: Work on projects. Work on
0: projects. This is, I like, I'm still scrolling to the bottom <laughs> of the CV. I'm not even joking.
2: Holy we could go. ask her for like skippable links, right? We'll send her an email. Like, can you see me have skippable <laughs> links so we can tab it? Can down this be a test? hypertext? Or right.
0: <laughs> well, actually, as Carolyn Miller's future personal assistant, I will be adding the
2: hypertext. <laughs>
1: What's up, Cheryl? No, I was gonna. I'm looking at your thoughts and your outline, just wondering what else we could bring up about her. Um, I like the fact that um, <laughs> she's good at meeting everyone, meeting students. Um, industry practitioners and those in academia and like at the intersection of how all of these things relate Um, she's not just a theory head as people like to say and she's not just buried in the workplace under power reports Um, she's dipped in and out of both of these settings and she's influencing both a great deal I think
3: that's a good point she's also bringing in the workplace too right
1: Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm the theory and the workplace, they have to work together. They're, they're like the yin and yang. They, mm-hmm. Without one, you don't have the other, I don't think.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Which came first? The theory of the workplace.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> think about that, grad student.
2: All right. Solve it for us and email Will. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing, too, that I really like, and I'm just kind of skimming back through my notes that I took on the Polis as a rhetorical community, and that's that she really values participation. So participation and civic engagement are really important and that's really important to how we interact with our communities. And so kind of looking at it in that frame, how we participate is also kind of a rhetorical construct and it's how we interact with people. And I just really like that perspective as someone who is interested in community writing. I think there's a lot to be drawn from her there too. So like if we had a bingo sheet, of stuff Leah's interested in, Carolyn <laughs> Miller fills out probably at least half of them in a row, so that's pretty cool.
3: <laughs> well, speaking of interest. We got Leah's. Aubrey, have how does like what she's talking about connect what with what you're interested in?
0: That is a great question. Will I asked the good question? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, at this point, I'm a master's student, first semester. I think I plan on going into the workplace, so a lot of what Carolyn Miller is talking about. Granted, I've literally read one article by her, but a lot of what she's talking about maybe is going to affect the theories that I bring into the workplace. I don't, I don't know that it will affect the actual like technical documents. Maybe very like as directly like like I don't think that she's a theory head. I do think that like there's obviously a focus here on application. Mm-hmm. Um. At the same time, I don't know. I don't I probably won't be, like, reaching into my bottom desk drawer and, like, pulling out my Carolyn Miller textbooks and being like, wait a second. You'll just be phoning her <laughs> up because she's
3: your former boss. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> um, okay, it does need to be said. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Carolyn Miller's kind of cool. Uh, she helped direct a thesis about... So it's apparently, the thesis is actually by Dawn Shepard. Congratulations, Dawn. Marketing subjectivity, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and construction of the problematic female television audience. I don't know what she's talking about, about this problematic female television audience. I'm certain I don't fit into that at all. But regardless, Carolyn Miller directed a thesis about Buffy the Vampire Slayer.
3: So is that good or bad?
0: Or oh my gosh, that's like the her? most
2: exciting thing <laughs> that could oh. possibly happen. Buffy's really intense about Buffy. Um,
3: and what about you, Shayla? How would you take her to the workplace?
1: Um, how she's we we've spoken about this, but how she's managing this new digital media, this this new digital age, um, thinking about. I remember my first interactions even with like Adobe Creative Suite, just the name of, you know, a program suite, I think it was Creative Suite 2. And that wasn't very long ago, and now we've got all the way up to 6 and the cloud and things have evolved (laughs) and changed and just the way we present information to one another. um, I remember starting a blog way back when in undergrad, working on wikis, um, learning all of these things, but I was like, this isn't going to catch on. Well, look, it did. And people like Carolyn Miller, you know, they've capitalized on it, but they've also embraced it. Um, it makes me think, what will digital media look like in 10 years? Right. I, I can't fathom anything bigger or better or more involved than what we're doing now.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: What's next? She's very prone to taking risks, which I think is cool, because this article she
2: published about a humanistic rationale, had it's obviously like... Diving into uncharted territory. And she's doing that again with selfies. Like, for me, selfies are something that everyone is really quick to kind of discard or, you know, this is too pop culture, this is lowbrow, this isn't worth studying.
3: That and emojis. I've been really interested in emojis too. And the way they encapsulate language and rhetorical, just they're like, they're a form of rhetoric to me. (laughs) They
2: are. And with that, there's a very practical element to her. She's not interested in just sitting on the same argument she goes out and she actively pursues what's happening now and what's happening in culture which I think is awesome.
3: So that should be one of the main takeaways then that we should be looking at to to the now always I guess (laughs) well of course (laughs) duh we exist now
0: (laughs) like I'm kind of surprised that there's not already a graduate class somewhere that's just like the studies of Carolyn Miller there probably will be one day Like like seriously yeah
3: Oh, this is so good, we're laughing, we're having fun, we're chatting.
1: <laughs> Did you think it was just going to be kind of stilted? No, this is it? what
3: I wanted it to be because these are my favorite kinds of podcasts where everybody's talking about stuff that they're learning about and, like, loving it. Oh, this is going to be so good. Listener, you are so lucky <laughs> if I leave this in. <laughs> if, <laughs> <I>
2: leave this <laughs> if it doesn't get chopped. Well, like, one thing I really liked is... um. I saw a lot of her, like, principles and humanistic rationale reflected in the Cruel Pies article we read by Sam Draga, Mm -hmm. which is all about, like, remembering that there's humans involved when we're looking at technical communication and not getting totally divorced from it and totally into the realm of, like, the robot realm. And just the influence of having humans involved and um, how we should kind of... Be treating that or respecting that maybe when we go to create technical documents, technical illustrations, that sort of thing.
3: So can we say that's one of our principles is always considering the human part of everything?
2: Yeah, I think so. Or, or humanistic. Humanistic. Yeah, um, which is human part. But we're
3: trying to use like we're real world words. <laughs> <laughs> real world words.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a good a good way to put it. Like, just remember that there's humans involved, there's communities involved, there's culture involved. Like, technical communication doesn't exist in a bubble. Mm-hmm. And it's very interdisciplinary. And because of that, you're going to get a lot of different, like, contact zones, right? Like Different perspectives, different cultures trying to produce one document or one process.
3: And speaking of Dr. Draga, I took his class a couple of semesters ago. And that's what it was, like, intercultural communication as it intersects with technical communication and how the interplay helps us to do it better, both communicate cross-culturally or interculturally, or... I I don't even know. I I get so confused with all these words. I know, there's a lot of prefixes, right? Right?
2: Inter, um... (laughs) Cross...
3: Interdisciplinary, and then multidisciplinary, and...
2: Cross-disciplinary, I don't... don't What's the diff? (laughs) I'm still working on it. What's the diff, guys? (laughs) What's (laughs) the diff? It should be like a hashtag.
3: So any final thoughts from anybody that they want to say?
1: She's one of my new idols. Um... Anything's possible. If you think about it, if you want to research it, just put it out there. I think in tech comm, um, we see a lot of the people we study just following the same vein of thought. Um, and kind of like, I imagine, I'm not going to say a pyramid scheme of analysis, but it's just one person starts something, then everybody else feeds off of it, and it keeps building and building and building until you delve so deeply into one concept that you've lost sight of what the original argument is. She's groundbreaking. You know, she's taking us to different places. And I don't know. We need somebody to pick up where she's leaving off Mm -hmm.
4: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: and take those next steps.
3: Leah? (laughs) Leah?
2: Um, I just like that she's not pigeonholed, right? Like, she's doing classical rhetoric. She's doing tech comm. She's doing um, workplace writing. She's doing digital media. She's doing all these different and things. And composition studies, too. Yeah, composition studies. Like, you can't throw a rock without hitting something... <laughs> Carolyn Miller is everywhere. You can't throw a rock without hitting Carolyn Miller. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I don't want to hit Carolyn <laughs> Miller. Should that be the other
3: episode title? You <laughs> yes. can't throw a rock don't without hitting?
2: Don't Don't throw a rock at Carolyn Miller. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> just don't mess with Carolyn Miller.
2: <clears throat> no, I just, I really appreciate versatility and scholarship. I wish that happened more. I wish people weren't afraid to go outside of what they know and are familiar with to pursue different avenues. And I like that she's looking at things that are kind of regarded as not important in academic Scholarship. So, like, she talks about sophists. She talks about selfies. Sophists and selfies. Right. So, like, she's got a wide breadth of topics. I think that's so cool.
0: Leah, can that please be like a conference presentation that you do? Selfies, selfies, and selfies and selfies.
2: Someone will do it. Someone will do it now. Trademarked by highly. No one <laughs> take it.
3: Yeah, grad student. Look out for it for the next conference that you attend. <laughs>
0: right. Do you think Carolyn Miller will be at four C's? Probably. I mean, I assume so, right?
2: I assume they have just a room for her. (laughs) It's like,
0: Carolyn, your suite is available. (laughs) What does she have? Carolyn, we've rented the hotel out for you. Carolyn, we have the honeymoon suite for you. you.
3: Uh, Presidential (laughs) suite? Uh,
2: (laughs) There you go. Presidential suite makes a little bit more sense. The humanistic
1: window seat. like (laughs) We could do that. There's no window frames. (laughs) I kind of want to attend four C's and, you know, ATTW, you know, mixed all up in there as an observer you know, slash participant observer. Not necessarily I want to present anything, but I want to see it and scope it out and just get a feel for it. And I think, um, I know she'll probably be there. I think we should just kind of rush her and be like, hey,
4: what?
3: You hear that, Carolyn Miller? We're coming for you. going to work
1: for you. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. going to work for you. And we just want to talk. We
0: just want to talk.
1: Carolyn, don't be scared. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Mary Miller. Gift. We come yeah, bearing gifts from the land of West Texas. Oh, my gosh. Here's a tumbleweed and a prairie dog. <laughs> Actually, I haven't seen any tumbleweeds. Yet. And
3: some cotton. Yeah. I got hit by a tumbleweed the other day. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, think. I was like, "Oh crap!" You
1: probably see them because you're you're out in wide open spaces. I guess
3: right. They're they're more prevalent. Like we in the west part of West Texas where I'm in. They're like a thing. They're yeah. like everywhere, well, and it's super windy down there how
1: too. How big are they?
3: They're like the size of my backpack. Toy's
1: not locked.
2: I just remember someone was telling me, like, during orientation week, they pulled into Texas and saw the tumbleweed, like,
1: roll past their car. That was the guy that said he drove from Atlanta. He was like, what have I gotten myself into? Right.
3: So I guess we should um, wrap it up.
1: Wrap it up. Thank you, Will, for having yeah. me. Thank you, yeah. thank you guys this for doing fun. this. Yeah, this thanks. is so much fun. I, I hope apologize it it if I have butchered
2: any theory. <laughs> well, <we're> no, <laughs> I
3: mean that's part of being like a new grad student, right? Yeah. Well, you're, you have no excuse because you're a PhD. I'm student. a new <laughs> TCR <laughs> student. Just I'm
2: I tech call. apologize <laughs>
3: that
0: all of my knowledge of tech comm is either very contemporary applications or. Ancient rhetoric.
1: <laughs> I have no apologies. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, this is all new, you know. I'm, I'm stepping back into the conversation from mm-hmm. having been in the workplace, so... It's and good. She's a breath of fresh air.
3: And that's what this podcast is for. For, like, new people to, like, get used to it. Mm-hmm. So if we do anything wrong, you guys can go and look it up your own... Yeah. <laughs> this is free, okay?
1: <laughs> this is <a> free, <laughs> <from that extent.
3: laughs> Um, well, that wraps up the episode. So... Um, I'll see you at the outro, uh, listeners. So that wraps up the episode on Carolyn Miller. I hope you enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun recording. Special thanks to Leah, Shayla, and Aubrey again for recording the podcast with me, um, taking the time out of their busy grad school schedules to... Help me get this conversation going. And speaking of conversation, if you want to contribute, feel free to comment on my blog, willthoughtout.blogspot.com. Just go ahead and click on the podcast tab way at the top of the page, and it'll take you to the page that has all the episodes that we've recorded so far. Feel free to leave any suggestions for future subjects, um, any comments on the audio, suggestions on how I can improve the podcast, anything really. Talk to me. For notes on any of the things that we talked about in the podcast, go ahead and take a look at the show notes. You'll find timestamps for some of the stuff that we talked about and uh, citations as well. Grad school life. (laughs) For now, I'll leave you with an interview that Carolyn Miller did with the ARST Oral History Project. In it, she talks about some of the stuff that we touched on in the episode, so that was pretty convenient. So until next time, keep learning. Our final question is... uh, what kind of advice do you have for young people thinking about getting into the field or, mm-hmm. or in the field mm-hmm. and starting their careers?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: What served you well, um, and, and what would you, you suggest to other people?
4: What served me well: um, connecting with others at conferences. Um, you know, not 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 working in a vacuum. Um, is, is certainly important. Uh, partly it, it um, gives you access to other resources and other ideas and it also um, keep, at least it kept me going with, it, with the sense that there's an audience. People are This is a conversation we're involved in uh, and that there are people interested in what I might have to say uh, and by the so- same token I can learn from what, from what they have to say. So not working in isolation um, uh keeping up with the literature, which is becoming harder and harder, uh, and, and just sort of realizing what some of the things that we were just talking about, the fact that there's, there's a world of really interesting challenges opening up out there that I think will uh, can be career-making inquiries for, for young scholars.